live from the William Hill Sportsbook at Silver 7's Hotel and Casino, it's Cofield and Company. Silver 7's great spot to watch sports in the afternoon. Happy hour is underway. Starts at 3 o'clock, 277 on the drinks. you got two bars to choose from, the Corona Cantina and the specially themed silver and gold bar right next to the William Hill Sportsbook. Come on down here. If you don't have an A-play card, you sign up. You get lots of perks. They got a Tuesday gift giveaway uh, last month. Um, some good stuff coming up. Coming up. Oh, here we go. Here we go. The Mini Maker Grill. I need one of those. I'm getting, by the way, my next big investment for the kitchen. I'm seeing more and more on TikTok of those mini waffle makers, like making breakfast, but without like an actual waffle. The I'm into that. waffle thing. I like waffle makers. They're a very good investment. We have one. Get a yeah, little you, messy, but. You got a big one or a little one? Not to I get mean, personal. Like a. You know, like the four-piece Belgian waffle okay. maker? Yeah. I'm talking about a mini one. Make a mini one. You make the like the egg and cheese oh, you're about like as the actual waffle, and then you can throw filling in the middle. We're going to try that. Interesting. You should make your own McGriddle. Sorry, Have I didn't want to give a pop. Have <laughs> 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 you tried it? I hesitated. <laughs> to make my own? Yeah, works really well. It's Little dabs out. of, like, you know, maple syrup all up in there. I was about to say another word. All up in that. <laughs> all up in that thing. <laughs> also great food specials here. Uh, check it out. You got the Thursday lunch special, three seventy-seven plate of spaghetti and meatballs, and uh, it's three seventy-seven a plate. So you know you want to gorge, you want to go with three plates. You're checking in under twelve bucks. Let's do it. That's a lot of spaghetti. Might say something that's controversial here. Spaghetti and meatballs is my least favorite dish. Well, you like different. You like alternate pasta. Yes. I don't know if they'll switch out. My guess is they will not go special uh, order JVT just for you. But I was about to say that pasta looks delicious. I would eat the crap out of that. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Five at Five. Number five. This show gets fired up about its food. Uh, we found out the other day about its TV. Uh, Candy went on just a five-minute rant about his access to TV. We all get fired up about the TV packages and cord cutting and plugging in the cord. Nice. He can't cut the cord because he's locked in and he's made phone calls. He's been... Given promises, he's been let down left and right. Uh, another thing we love to talk about is traffic, the roads, and rideshare. Uh, people have noticed around town, right? Like, you come into town in the airport, you can't get a freaking rideshare anymore. Uh, Fox locally covered the story as there seems to be a situation with uh, just staffing, getting enough drivers. Uh, here's a report as uh, you'll hear one of the Uber representatives explaining the situation. Only about 30% of uh, drivers that were driving in February of 2020 have returned. To address the driver shortage nationally, Uber launched its own stimulus last week, $250 million for drivers. They hope driving up hourly earnings will keep current drivers, bring back old ones, and attract new ones. In Las Vegas specifically, uh, what that means for drivers is that uh, as part of this incentive package, we're offering hourly earnings of $29.90 uh, as part of this uh, stimulus announcement. Damn. Will that get enough drivers back? It's, it's kind of crazy, right? I think a lot of it was the pandemic. People are like, I'm not driving with complete strangers who yep. I got to fight over mask with. and uh, But they're not coming back. It's a weird job market right now. I talk, I'm talking to a lot of people. I had a guy over the other day because uh, I was looking to get some uh, work done. Uh, need a little repair on my patio. And uh, the guy, <laughs> he was funny, uh, Corky came over and uh, he, he started talking about it. And he's like, ah, he's like, he's like, I'm going to quit this G-damn business soon. He's going to retire. I can't get anyone to work. 
How many porches they need repairing? Huh? I don't. I don't think. He, I don't think he threw out kids these days. But uh, yeah, staffing is a little bit down. There's job fairs all over the place, and so which is good. We, we had record high unemployment, so now people can get jobs. What do you think's happening with rideshare? So I, I think there, there's obviously the pandemic that like you talked about. Uh, by the way, the like I shouldn't say popularity; it's not the proper term. Uh, but the surplus of videos of Uber drivers being harassed in their cars has probably not helped at all uh, because people suck. But I'd also say, uh, does Uber need to look a little inward? Like, if you can easily just ratchet up the prices that you're paying your drivers, maybe you should think about paying them more. But Uber says Las Vegas drivers are not coming back like in other cities because of local regulations. Governor Sisolak issued an emergency order pausing surge pricing at the beginning of the pandemic. Drivers know that when there's a lot of a lot of demand, uh, they're going to see uh, higher earnings. By not having that mechanism in place uh, due to local regulations, a lot of drivers, quite frankly, are choosing just to stay at home. There you go. So. The, the, huh? the surge pricing issue is something we'll cover tonight on Law and Sporter, our legal podcast that we do at 9 o'clock. But, uh, yeah, I want, I want to hear more about this on the whole surge pricing thing and why Sisolak is, has blocked that. And, uh, I mean, I think we need ride share. I'd like to see the cabs. I hope the cabs have improved enough to match the service that the ride share we're giving. Mm-hmm. I hope they don't just come back and like, hey, we're back, baby. Screw everyone. <laughs> right. Right. Of course, because that's that's what led to the rise of rideshare, well, and, and the near extinction of the cabs. Right, and but I, it's like it is. It, there's, I think there's a lot of different ways to look at this and whose fault and whatever it is, but uh, you know, Uber does need to look a little bit more inward because you can counteract the surge pricing or you know the lack of desire for drivers to not drive in those non-surge pricing times if you actually just pay them a, a relatively you know meaningful wage. Number four, Jeopardy tryouts are continuing. So, Dr. Oz. Dude, I'm going to fight Ari. Aaron Rodgers. Ken Jennings. Now we're on to a new set. Robin Roberts. George Stephanopoulos. I'm forgetting the other two names. And LeVar Burton. Sanjay Gupta? No. Oh. Ari, you said it was cute that Rodgers did it, but now it's on to the real talent. Yes. And you don't need to know the other names. LeVar Burton. I think is the best candidate before even seeing anything. That's the kind of classy, swarmy intelligence and eloquence that I want in a Jeopardy host. He's not going to be Alex Trebek. I I can appreciate that, but I think we all know he's going to be way better than Aaron Rodgers. I'm not sure. Fight me, John. Let's go. You don't want it. Um, (laughs) Well, I'm just more curious. So this is not an anti-Lovar Burton thing. Where did the, the surge come from? Like, is it just because we haven't seen him for a while? Right? Since, uh, what, Reading Rainbow? Like, is that it? He's around. He's an actor. He's an accomplished actor and whatnot. So, so I'm wondering is, like, what's with the, like, is this something he wanted? Like, this seems to have come out of nowhere, and I have not understood it. Like, I'm sure he will do a great job. I have just never understood the tie to Jeopardy and the need and the want for people to put him in that role. I mean, I could say the same for kind of everyone. It, it feels like they're randomly selected as far other than Ken Jennings. Uh, but there was a petition done for him they, they for, petitioned for to get lavar burton on yes okay all right so you can't answer my question what's the question why like i don't have any background on him in terms of why he is such a good jeopardy host there's nothing i have countless commercials with aaron Rodgers being charmful is that a word charming yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and witty 
and hilarious. And there's no proof for LeVar? Like, you can't find anything on, online? The last time LeVar and I interacted, I was five. So, I, I don't oh. really know. Go back. Well, back if you go back in history, uh, this was Ari's topic, but I'll, I'll fill in the blank here. Right. I uh, kept trying to set him yeah, up. And he was. Uh, LeVar Burton actually has some experience as a game show host uh, between 82 and 88. Uh, he often hosted filling in for Nick Clark on the 25000 and $100,000 pyramid. Oh, okay. So he's got, he's got some experience. His, uh, his TV history goes as far back as Roots in the 70s. This guy's, a, this guy's a legend. He's a legend. I think he'd be a great choice. I think it's a three-horse race. It's Rodgers when he's available, so that kind of makes it tough. Rodgers. I'd retire for Jeff. LeVar Burton and Jake Paul. He's talented. No, the Paul Paul brothers are not getting this job, too. <laughs> Joe Buck. Joe Buck will get a real look. So, Joe Buck's very talented. And he's a, he can be annoying, but he is very talented. He's a, he's a, uh, he's a real smartass. He can be a funny guy. So, LeVar Burton, Aaron Rodgers, Joe Buck, the future of Jeopardy. I brought this up on Monday when you weren't here. Like, I kind of get Joe Buck. I've just never really seen him in the role of like I can under because I've heard podcast interviews. He's he can kind of be like a guy's dude, you know what I mean at times. But I've never thought of him as like like when I thought of Alex Trebek, he I thought he knew everything. Like he was insanely smart, well read. Like if I could ask him any question, he would just know the answer to it. I don't get that vibe from Joe Buck. I get a sports Jeopardy vibe from Joe Buck. I get a teen Jeopardy vibe from Joe Buck. Do we have any idea what this pays? I mean, got to pay something. Aaron Rodgers is willing to throw away his career for it. Well, I don't think anyone's going to throw away their career. No, but he's I, retiring. But, it, like, would Joe Buck have time to do all the sports he does? Like, how much would they have to pay Joe Buck? It, I mean, it's, I, this, this has to pay north of $10 million, right, a year? Well, Judge Judy makes, like, $65 million. I mean, I'm just, I just assumed that if Buck was going to get the role, he was just going to stop doing sports. I don't know how often they tape and what the scheduling is. I just assumed that that was it. He was just if, saying goodbye to Troy. If it was twenty five mil a year and he could still do all of his commercials, would Baker Mayfield walk? If he was smart he would. Save his body right. <laughs> like and just become a Jeopardy host. And how do all awesome that. how awesome what 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 Armageddon in the sports world if a twenty five year old quarterback was like, Hey, you know what, I don't want to risk the head injury and I'm getting twenty five mil a year and I can do all my commercials and I'll be I'll be a bigger brand. The NFL is gigantic, but a lot of people don't watch the NFL. Right. Baker Mayfield should be in the mix. Brilliant actor. Brilliant. Uh, as I've said, he's number one in the active sports figures. Wait, number one active sports betting actor. There we go. Sports betting? Number three. I don't know what you're saying, so Leon will take us out of that. He's the I, best I, I active get... athlete. Actor. Yeah. Actor. Yeah, yeah there you go. There we go. You, he's running like sports betting. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> he's on, you're on VSIN so much, and it's like betting. Gambling. Betting. Gambling. <laughs> Just. It's all I live for. He's got a nervous tick. Uh, Knicks, winners. Really? They are winning. How long is the streak now? Uh, eight straight straight, uh, eight straight actual wins, like straight-up wins, 11 consecutive covers. All right, do we actually have to sit here and listen to the fans who are like, the Mecca, there's nowhere like MSG. When the Knicks are rolling, the fans are back. Yes, we have to listen to that because yeah, it's, it's happening. Cool. Are the Knicks legit? Are the Knicks legit enough in what, frankly, is – Kind of a muddled East because we don't know what the Nets are going to have available. Right. I think the Sixers are good, but they're not great. They're also getting their butts handed to them by the Bucks right now. The Celtics, 
the Bucks and the Heat have all been underwhelming to a certain degree. The Bucks haven't been terrible. Knicks sixty to one to win the East. Are you in? Oh no, not that. Any damage in the playoffs at all, or are they a laughing stock when they get in? No, I mean, like, look, right now their four or five matchup would be the Atlanta Hawks. Like, that's a perfectly winnable series, right? They just beat them last night to extend the streak. Now Trey Young went down in the third quarter, and they were down by eight, so that totally helped their case to extend that winning streak. But no, if they draw like a four or five matchup at the Hawks, they could totally win a playoff series. But I just don't think it's realistic with how bad their offense has been over the long haul, right? They, you know. There's this stretch that they have been on where their offensive rating of 117 is the fourth best in the league. That's not sustainable, right? A lot of that is built on three-point shooting that they're not going to be able to carry over over a very long stretch of time. But, like, yeah, win a playoff series against Atlanta and then get bounced to the East semifinals, that's a perfectly, like, realistic thing, and there's no shame in that. What does Tibbs have to do the rest of the way to really be a strong candidate for Coach of the Year? Because I think we, we – early on you thought, you know what, Quinn Snyder's got it sewn up. Yeah, and then Monty Williams, right, for Phoenix – uh, is the I think the co-favorite too, right? I would say they're I think about four and a half games, four games behind Milwaukee. Catch Milwaukee for the three seed. That would like, but that would take a massive. Oh my God. Like think about this. They they've won eight straight games, right? They're still only like three games ahead of the final play-in seed. <laughs> so it's not like like this win streak they've been on. It's not like they're just destroying the gap between them and the next like the worst team that's going to make it to the postseason. So you're right. It's all modeled up. Like I, I just, I actually had this conversation on the podcast, my podcast, Harvard Handicappers. Find it wherever you get your podcast. Like, rate, review, subscribe. Like, there's there's value, right, in like futures markets where it comes to like teams. You know, I have a statistical sample size that I think is going to play out over a large set of games. So I'm going to bet this team because I think there's value in that number. The implied probability is too low. But it comes to awards, like value is different, right? Because you're you're banking on the human element that somebody's going to vote for your guy. And it's hard to make a case for Tibbs when there's two guys who I think are probably going to win it ahead of him and that voters aren't really going to look in his way. Now, he does have the Mecca in his back pocket. And so now that he brings that back, does that help him with his quest for Coach of the Year? Maybe, but I just don't see a realistic case. Number two. Tweetgate. Probably the 8 million Tweetgate. LeBron James this time. LeBron sent out an inflammatory tweet yesterday about the Columbus, Ohio shooting. Said, you're next, accountability. Put up a picture of the officer involved in the shooting where uh, the 15-year-old had a knife, was attacking another person, shot dead. LeBron since has deleted the tweet. Came out and explained basically, hey, it's important to have all the facts. Don't be emotional. But I am emotional. I'm really upset about what's been going on for the longest time now with African Americans and, you know, too many tragic incidents involving law enforcement. Are we mad? We're mad at LeBron? Yeah. Disappointed. Is, is that is that not a real apology? Oh, you're disappointed? I mean, like we talked about at the beginning, right? We should we should have all the facts, right? When when you're talking about certain topics, especially when you're criticizing, speaking on those topics from a, a relatively angry standpoint, right? You should probably have all the facts. Not like call into a radio show and spout off that somebody needs to do more and not have any idea of the philanthropy that they actually act on. But you should probably have all the facts. And LeBron admitted that. So you're disappointed, but he also came out and said, I didn't know everything. I was angry. Uh, Doc Travis, Clay Travis said earlier in the day that uh, LeBron is dividing the country instead of uniting it. Does he have that much responsibility? Maybe he's onto something. Maybe athletes, like LeBron is one of the biggest athletes in the history of this planet. And now with social media, his voice 
does hold a lot of power. Are there certain athletes at that level? Like, LeBron, you you have some responsibility. It depends you on the, can't make mistakes like that. That depends on the person who's, who's pointing the finger, right? Because it's either shut up and dribble or you need to do more to unite. And it's funny because the shut up and dribble crowd also seems to be the ones who are saying, why are you doing more to unite the country, LeBron? You're dividing it. So, again, when it comes to the people who are angry with LeBron for certain stances that he has, just like with our caller earlier, it is never going to be enough unless it is something that they agree with. That is the only way. Number one. Raiders, Arden Key gone from the D-line. Maurice Hurst gone from the defensive line. They're both now 49ers. Dude. What just happened? That defensive line's going to be really freaking good at San Francisco. It already was. I mean, in essence, you've got a Solomon Thomas trade for two of the linemen on the Raiders. Mm-hmm. Are the Raiders going to regret this? And and let's let's also, let's in defense of the Raiders, Mohurst may look awesome on that defensive line because that line is pretty loaded. Well, yeah. If, if it's healthy. Right, but also the last two years he's had a pass rushing grade of over 77, for, you know, according to Pro Football Focus. He's been a really good player. And he right. plays at a position of need, which is the other thing, right? Like yep. one of the guys that you're looking at is one of the interior – and I'm sorry his name escapes me – the interior defensive lineman from Alabama, right, has been kind of penciled in certain spots in mock drafts for the Las Vegas Raiders. Barmore. Yes, Christian Barmore. Thank you. So, like, it's a position of need, and it's established guy at a position of need. Like, I would think it makes sense. It would behoove them to kind of keep him around. So, I think they might regret it. Raiders GM Mike Mayock spoke today about the draft and uh, addressed, you know, one of the obvious positions. Uh, we're going to talk offensive line here, but he was talking about the right tackle position. You know, I, again, I, I'm probably not going to get into too many specifics about what we're going to do next week. You asked me about right tackle. Uh, I mean, we, we've got a guy named Jared Jones-Smith who we signed off the street last week who we, we think is a chance to be a really good football player. Uh, kind of excited about him, I think. You know, obviously in free agency, whether it's the, quote, normal free agency period or what you've done on the street in the prior year, you're trying to set yourself up for, in the draft so that you can uh, you can pl- take the best player you can take. And uh, we're very aware of our needs. And uh, obviously when the needs fit up with where you are in the draft board, that's awesome. And when they don't, you got to be a little careful. Yeah, Mayock uh, went on to say, don't be freaked out because we got rid of experienced guys who were high-level players. Uh, change is not always a bad thing. I think it's an interesting uh, – I'm, I'm actually – you know, it's funny because I think people – the public perception is, oh, the Raiders, you know, they, they, they made a bunch of moves on the offensive line, therefore they're going to be worse there. And I'm kind of energized by it, to be really honest with you, and – uh, we redid our left tackle's contract, Colton Miller, and I think that showed our locker room uh, that we were really willing to be uh, really aggressive in signing one of our own and somebody we believe is a cornerstone, right? And then people are like, well, yeah, you, you traded away one of the best centers in football, and we did. But you can't make that move unless you think you've got somebody right behind them that can come in and compete. So, you know, we look at an Andre James and a Nick Martin and say, look, we, we feel like we can compete at center. We think we're getting younger. Uh, I'm excited and energized by what our offensive line room is starting to look like. And I'm excited and energized because I think Tom Cable feels the same way. So we have all the respect in the world for Rodney and Gabe and, and Trent. But at this point, 
you know, we made a conscious decision to try to get younger, maybe a little bit more athletic, and let's go. And I can't wait to see how we react. Let's go. Mike Mayock, the GM of the Raiders, on the way back. We're going to hear from Mayock on the process. You know, you still don't have your traditional access to the players like you had in past years, and he'll address the questions about the free safety. It's the Big Five at Five, brought to you by Battle Born Injury Lawyers. If you've been injured, call Justin Watkins at Battle Born Injury Lawyers, 570-9000. Hanging at the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver 7s, it's Cofield and Company. Mike Mayock, nice enough to talk to the media earlier in the day. He's the Raiders GM, uh, talked about some of the philosophies about the offensive line maybe they take a right tackle replacement for Trent Brown but they're excited about a lot of the guys they had in-house younger guys cheaper guys and some newer dudes they brought into the organization and there's then there's the topic of free safety clearly they've got a philosophy here they're going to find one on the cheap there's not many candidates left or they're going to find someone in the draft here's Mayock on the free safety position I thought Jeff Heath did a good job last year Um, Jeff's been in the league several years uh we're always looking for competition i think the free safety position in the draft this year uh, i think there's some good players through the first three or four rounds and then after that uh, i think you got to target some guys that might be corners might be nickels be a little bit creative but uh you know we've grinded this whole defensive back class pretty hard just like every other position wow this is fascinating they draft a free safety that they expect to start you know jeff heath in the mix Mm -hmm. And maybe they can convert someone else, an an experienced player. But if they draft someone, you're talking about Abram and a rookie getting a lot of time at safety with Arnett, with Mullen. Wow. There's potential there. Not what I expected. No. I thought there'd be at least one impact player brought in in that defensive backfield. Yeah. And there's potential there for that to be kind of bad. (laughs) Right? I mean, it it depends on who you get and if you hit it out of the park with your – Rookie selection. There's, you know, there's obviously been plenty of defensive backs who are rookies who impact teams positively, but there's also a steep learning curve there. One of the most intriguing positions in the draft is the four hole. We're doing our path to the draft. Five o'clock hour spot here with Chris Domino, who does radio in Atlanta. We'll find out what the chatter is around the Falcons. They're going to make a pick out four, or are they going to trade out? Anytime the Golden Knights are on TV, watch the game at the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver 7s and grab your 77-cent Bud Light bottles. It's time for Cofield and Company's Path to the Draft, brought to you by Nova Home Loans. Call now for a mortgage tune-up, 877-700-NOVA. And we talk a lot about the Falcons in Vegas. Well, this four pick is fascinating, and the story of Justin Fields and all the other offensive talent. Are they going to stay in the spot? Chris Tomino does radio in Atlanta and gives us a couple of minutes with JVT and Cofield. What's up, buddy? I'm doing okay, fellas. How are you? We're good. We're good. How was Hooters today? You did a lot. Did you do an appearance or a live show at Hooters? I did. That's exactly what we did. Chris Medlin, a guy who pitched for the Braves. Yeah. Once a month, we, uh, we'll bring a Brave out, and we'll spend about an hour, and talk about life and kids what it's like to actually retire what it's like to be one of the one percent of the one percent of the one percent to right. do that for a living yeah it was a really good time he's a good dude we, the only rule i said i'll do this when i get to pick the guys that come out because you know no no blank holes we're in a no blank hole territory so <laughs> i don't want to have to pretend i'd like a guy who can have a beer and sit down and, and just have the 
the overall general life conversation every bit as much as telling me about some 3-2 pitch he threw back in 2012. That sounds like a cool spot. How is life in general? Uh, things opening up? Are people comfortable going out? I don't yeah. even know what the masking policy is or the capacity is down there. <laughs> I got a sister who lives in Connecticut. and she, yeah. Every once in a while she'll call and she'll just randomly ask me, hey, how you doing down in Sodom and Gomorrah? Because <laughs> we, 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 we've had a few less rules than a lot of other people around the country for a long time. I think there's this moment that happened a few months ago where whether, you know, you get a nice day of weather in February, it's 58 degrees, and you go, I think we're supposed to be doing what we're supposed to be doing. Uh-huh. Uh, to me, it's not politics. It's not any of that stuff. It's just be comfortable, be respectful, and, and that's the only thing I'm asking of other people, and it's the only thing I'm mindful of. Just everybody's got a different level of comfort, so just be aware of that and don't overstep other people's bounds. So th- this must be a great time to talk draft for you guys in Atlanta because uh, the pick is in such a prime spot. You could take, you know, the Falcons could take someone there. They could take the glamour position. They could trade back and get more draft capital. Uh, what's been the main narrative about the pick? In all honesty, I'm so ready for next Thursday. <laughs> like I'm, I'm over, I'm over mock six point two, and everybody's got an opinion. And look, you guys know this as much as anybody from September to January. They figure out why they want to draft the guy. From January until draft night, they figure out why they don't. <laughs> so I'm a little tired of the this is why you don't draft the guy. When all of the film is in a can, none of these guys have played an extra game. You go to combines, but it's really like studying for the SATs or the LSATs. If you show up fat for the combine and not in shape, you, know, you decide to sit around and eat cake instead of work out, I can dismiss you pretty quickly. But I'm also not overly impressed with your ability to take a shirt off because that's what you should have been doing. That's what you're supposed to look like before the draft. I'm just ready for it to happen. In regards to the position, I do agree that this is this is the most fascinating. This is even more fascinating than when they had the number one and took Vic, because that was a fait accompli. Everybody knew it was going to happen. you got a brand-new coach, brand-new general manager. I don't know if they're on the same page or not. You read stories, hear stories about how they might not be. I don't believe it. I just think that's just what happens. It's the sort of jibber-jabber that goes on now. But the spot itself is really, really fascinating. Uh, if you're asking me, I'd like to go out back a few. I'd like to pick up a couple extra picks because most teams, the, the good ones, are in a position to draft for depth. This team is looking for starters, and I don't think you can really fill the needs in one draft by playing it straight. I think they need extra picks this year and next year. they got to get cap money. I mean, they've shaken every couch up in Flowery Branch trying to find quarters. They're robbing Peter to pay Paul and you know, Matt Ryan and everybody else who had a contract that could move some money around, they did it. And I'm not even sure they have enough money to draft this year just yet. I'm sure, it's close. Uh, but the spot is really, you guys know, it's, it's a fascinating place to be for this franchise right now. For all the wrong reasons, but it doesn't make it any less fascinating. Do you believe that there's a market at number four for them to trade back? Because I feel yeah. like right, like if Mac Jones is there, I don't know if he's worth trading up all that stock for, right? Because clearly this the trade for San Francisco was for another guy, either Justin Fields or Trey Lance. Like, is Lance worth it? Like, is there a market for Atlanta to trade back? Yeah. Look, we joke all the time. Like, I've watched other teams in this town, like the Hawks, have the fourth pick, and you go, looks like there were three good players. Sucks to be number four. I think four is fine. You know, whether you're going to tell me Kyle Pitts, that's too far a reach. I think there are teams that would take him. Uh, you got an offensive lineman who I think could absolutely walk in the door and be here for 10 years. Yeah, it's viable. I, I do think it's a viable pick. The question for me is going to be, do you have, and I'm sure this is the way it would work, if you're going to do a deal, 
we'll do the trade if this player is available, and then it becomes a draft night trade. I don't know if you can necessarily set it up now. I'd like to think there's a contingency plan. So let's say it's Justin Fields. Does somebody want Justin Fields at four? Well, you won't know if he's going to be there until 10 minutes before you're on the clock. So I, I, I think there could be an absolute contingency plan in play to get out of four if they decide what, what they need is not going to be filled by four and then in the second round, the fourth pick of the second round. I think it's a numbers game, which, which tells me it, it is a pick that you can get out of and still get some quality return. So Peter King had his column when it was two days ago uh, talking about Arthur yeah. Blank and him being, quote, fascinated by this quarterback class. I love quotes like that because I think we're all fascinated by this quarterback class. Sure. But what is the reality that the Matt Ryan era is – coming to an end that the successor is going to be selected at number four. Yeah, because they redid his contract. It really looks like you're here with Matt for two more years. And look, I'm not angry about that. You know, this guy's been tough. This guy's played fine. He's not the reason you've lost. He's not the reason that at times that you've won. He's been a really good soldier who's taken an ass kicking for a long time. I got no problem if you're going to tell me Matt Ryan's here for the next two years, but I don't like the way it had to be done. Like, you had to move money around. Because his dead, you know, his dead money is so big for the next two years, it looks like he's the one. Now, Arthur Smith is going to come out that night if they don't take the quarterback and say, of course we didn't take the quarterback. We got Matt Ryan for two years. If it had been a decision not based on money, I'd feel a lot better about it. It is a decision based on money at this point. It really is. Because if Matt Ryan could walk away and you were free and clear, not having to worry about dead cap space, and you could just do a deal for Matt Ryan, there's a market for him. And I'd love to see them quarterback who might be the quarterback of the future. There's no guarantees, but I'd love to get a reboot with a brand-new coach and a brand-new GM with a quarterback coming in. The way that they did when they picked Ryan, it was Dimitrov and Mike Smith their first year, and they got a quarterback, and they got it right, thank God, and it was fun for a few years. It's not fun anymore. You know, this stinks. You know, we went to the well, and the water was really good. Like, this is a good bottle of wine winning, and now you're sitting around, you're drinking swill for the last few years, and you don't have any money. And you got a lot of holes. You know, I'm down on it. I'm not – I got guys who I work with, oh, the NFL is the type of league where you go from worst to first, and people do it all the time. I say, well, it's not going to happen here. It's just not. I just don't – I don't buy it. I don't believe it. There's not a conversation in February that made me think that way. There's not one in April. There won't be one the night after the draft. Uh, I hope they hire the right people, but it's going to be a couple of years before this thing starts. So uh, let's let's say there is no market. They're stuck at four. You know, Cal yeah. Pitts has obviously been tied to that selection uh, for a yeah, very long time. Uh, yeah, so do, does that sound like the route? If they are indeed there at four, would you think that is the yeah. likely outcome? Yeah, and I'll tell you why. So my theory for the last month and a half, and it was like one of those eureka moments. So you don't have enough picks and you don't have enough money to fix your, fix your defense. So what do you do? You try to bludgeon people with 30, 35 points a game. So go take Pitts. Go take the running back. You know, I don't know if Najee Harris is going to be there in the second round. I don't know if Trey Sermon is a third-round pick. But I, I, would, I wouldn't even think about it. There's no edge rush guy. There's no linebacker. There's no corner that I want to score. I'll play the game of trying to beat you 35-32 all day long because until you have money, until you actually have three drafts of defensive players, I, there's not a defensive guy. If you took six defensive guys in this draft, we're still talking about a team that won seven games next year. I, I think the quickest way to get to nine, if there is a quick way, take another – Offensive weapon, and Pitts is certainly that. Go find a running back who's better than anything you have on the roster, and that's not going to be difficult. Uh, and then and then just try to win games that way while you sort everything else out. I, I don't think there's really a reason to go defense. I know you need players, 
but I don't think you're going to win in three years if you're drafting the next two years on defense. Try to win the old-fashioned way, like the new old-fashioned way. Win 35-31 and see what happens. So if Ryan's going to be there for a little bit and they go ahead and let's say they get pits, 35, any of the second-day quarterbacks kind of intrigue you, whether it's Trask, whether it's Mond, Davis Mills has been a sexy name. Do you think they go the route of second-day guy, develop for the next two years? I do. I do. Because I think, look, if you think there's a guy – these college guys are supposed to be able to tell you. I'm, you know, my tongue is firmly through my cheek. It's the most scrutinized thing in the world. If you really think about it, is there anything more scrutinized than a college quarterback going into the draft in the history of anything? Yep. You know anything that's talked about more, you get more work. Let's talk to the high school coach. Let's talk to the waitresses. Let's put them up on a whiteboard. And they still crap out 50% of the time. It's, it's, it's unbelievable how poor they are at this. It's, it's, do you get lucky? Right system, right guy. Is the guy lazy? Is he not? Does he want to be a winner? It's all those things, and you can't guarantee. If you told me that there's a guy who you honestly believe, one of your scouting guys walks into the room and says, guys, two years with Matt Ryan, who's the most decent dude in the world, like the most decent guy you're going to meet. Matt Ryan in a room with a guy, not having a fear of this guy's taking my job, and he wouldn't. Uh, Matt Ryan, if I found a guy, whether it's Mond, and I could certainly see somebody like that coming here. They need a backup quarterback. Matt Schaub, God bless his soul. He made a lot of money in this league, and he's another decent dude. But they weren't going to go another year with that. They need the heir apparent, or at least they need the guy who might be. Having that guy around Matt Ryan for two years would be the brilliant move in my mind. It really would. And Mond is a guy that's sort of interesting to me, as much as anybody else, more than Trask and more than some of these other guys. I think Mond, for some reason, and I'm not saying I know anything, I just, if I'm going to pick a name without throwing a dart, I think it's going to be him. Chris Domino talking Falcons right here on our path to the draft. Number four pick in the draft. He does radio in Atlanta on 680 The Fan. All right, we'll close on this. We love to bet. The rest of the country is getting crazy about betting. Early look at the win total. Seven wins uh, over under, but the lean is actually minus 145 on the over. And remember, I know you know this, but for the audience, 17-game season now. So over under, seven wins. Uh, I – okay, here <laughs> – I'm not hedging because I know – I know this world very well, this betting thing. Uh, I will take, I think it's a great number. If I'm betting, I'll bet the over because of the 17th game. And here's what I believe. I believe Carolina's a year away. I believe New Orleans. Jameis Winston, I'll bet against him all day long. And the Brady thing, what I'm hoping is in Tampa, that they get so fat-catted about winning this thing that maybe they slip up one time against this team. So I'll bet the over. But if I was really going to lay money, what do I get if I just say I want seven? What do I I get if I say, I'm going to call the number, I'm going to say it's a seven. What will they give me? Oh, I don't think the number's up. John, do they offer exact win totals? At some point they do, right? Could you bet exactly seven? I would assume some markets offer it. So if the total is seven, what what do you you at? He wants to bet on seven. seven. Uh, It's an index prop. You'd get some sort of plus money, I'd assume, like a three to two to one. If their win total is seven, that'd be the favorite. I'm taking seven. That would be the bet that I swear to God I would make. (laughs) How about the miracle of all miracles? Uh, division winner, Atlanta Falcons. Maybe the whole division crashes. Ten wins, wins the division. They go ten and seven. You get ten to one on your money for division winner. Or is that oh. lighting your money on fire? Uh, yeah, but listen, is it, who doesn't want to light their money on fire just to say that they <laughs> yes. did something around the water cooler or the bar? Right. You know, they're throwing the ticket. You never show the five losers, but you put the winning ticket on the bar and say, see, I told you. Uh, if I had a dollar for every time I had a see, I told you bet thrown in my face, I'd be rich. <laughs> Yeah. I wouldn't need to bet these games. <laughs> Chris, you're the man. Glad you're doing well. Appreciate you coming on. Thank you. Thank you.
yeah, listen, thank you, fellas. Enjoy, uh, enjoy everything that's coming up over the next week or so before the draft. See you, Chris. There he is. Chris Domino, 6'8 of the fan, longtime radio guy in Atlanta. And like I said, glad to see he's doing well because uh, we know in Sports Talk Radio, a lot of folks were uh, jettisoned, so he's, he's still going strong in, uh, in Atlanta. Am I, am I qualified to say the Dirty South? Can't do that, can I? Can I do that? Is it dirty? I don't know. If it's factual, it's what I've heard. What is that? What was that? That's a uh, yes. You're allowed to say that. You stealing other shows' bits now? What what show is that from? Dan Patrick? Yeah. Wow. Ari. Cardinal, Cardinal Sin there. We got to wow. take a break. The Cofield and Company crew is back tonight at 9 o'clock. It's the Law and Sporter podcast with Justin Watkins from Battleborn Injury Lawyers. Cofield and Company presents Grab Bag. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Make sure you're back with us up on uh, Twitter and Facebook and YouTube. On Twitter, at Steve Cofield, at ESPN Las Vegas, at LVSportsNetwork.com. Check that at LVSportsNetwork. One's a website, one's a Twitter handle, but we'll have the Law and Sporter legal podcast. We talk local stories, sports legal stories, uh, other legal stories. Justin Watkins in from Battleborn Injury Lawyers, and we will follow up on that uh, interesting tidbit. Credit to uh, Fox 5 locally. We got some good sound from them on the uh, rideshare driver shortage. That's coming up tonight at 9 o'clock. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Uh, just saw Shaq say that if, if it's him... The MVP in the NBA. He said uh, Joel Embiid is playing the game like it's supposed to be played. He'll take Embiid over Jokic for the MVP. Okay. Can you make that case? Yeah. You you told us the other day by the numbers that you know Jokic is tremendous in certain aspects of the game, but he's he's not really a great two way player. Right. It's he really does not clear. defend. No. Like he can tip passes. He's got length. He'll you know get into passing lanes, but. Not a good defender. What so, about Embiid? Embiid's a good two-way player. He's solid. Like okay. the defensive numbers get better when he's on the floor. And you know he, when he was at the All-Star break, I should put it this way, before he got injured, he was separating himself. He was the favorite. He was going to win the award if he had stayed healthy, and he didn't. So I'm, I don't slide anybody if they want to say miss games to me in a season like this. I don't care. I'll make him the MVP. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, reaction to that. I love Shaq, but this is exactly what is wrong when you let people vote. Jokic has better stats. And Embiid missed a ton of time. Who said that? Oh, okay. What's your reaction? I mean, stats aren't everything. MVP has narrative, but also, I mean, Embiid's got some pretty good stats himself. <laughs> like, he's not leading, he might not lead the league in as many categories as Jokic, but his statistical profile is nothing to sneeze at. Well, as I told you the other day, I think Chris Paul deserves me in a running. You uh, destroyed me with analytics, and then you actually gave me my defense, which is everything's not analytics, but that Devin Booker may actually be more valuable on his own team. But the Sun story has been great. Uh, I don't know about Harden now because he may miss the you know most of the regular season with oh. this setback, so oh that's going to hurt his chances. But I'm ready for Jokic, Embiid, Philly versus Denver because that was fun a couple of years ago. The Philly, the Philly radio people going nuts on Jokic for being a fat ass when they were talking about the value of the center position. I don't remember who this. Was better. Oh yeah, it was a big, it was a big war. Uh, Denver radio get on. Yeah, it was funny. Wow, I gotta get, I gotta go yeah, look, look, look back this. on it. Yeah, well, come on, Philly with a you know a, a sloppy looking guy, and then you know they get to the back their guy. Yeah, come on. they're gonna go freaking crazy. 
Stick your hand in there, Dave. You know, we were talking about the potential replacements. We've been doing this for weeks now. We know we have a lot of listeners who love Jeopardy, a lot of smart people who listen to Cofield and Company, of course. And the latest tryouts are going to be Robin Roberts, uh, Stephanopoulos, Joe Buck, LeVar Burton. You were talking about a guy like Joe Buck, like if he was the host of Jeopardy, I mean, at that point he's going to have to leave what he's doing. Actually not, according to a wiki search and then our other producer, Brady, they only tape Jeopardy for like 45 days a year. But, I mean, they pound it. They do five or six episodes a day, so you wind up taping where there's 230 episodes a year. I was shocked to hear because we were asking, like, hey, I mean, if this pays like $25 million, go make a run at freaking Baker Mayfield and he might retire, right? Seems crazy. But anyway, uh, you know, would Aaron Rodgers be coaxed to leave football a year early if he's making $25 million a year? Trebek was only making only, I say it that way, only was only making $10 million a year. His brand, that show, he could have held him over a barrel. I mean, I can't believe the money people make in TV, news anchors. I'm shocked that he wasn't making like 40 mil a year. I am too. Especially he's, a, he's the LeBron of game show host. One of the all-timers. Especially when you consider like what Judge Judy makes. Like I, I would think his brand is on par with Judge Judy. Right? He is very much wow. as recognizable and carried a program on his shoulders. Hometown discount for Jeopardy, only 10 mil a year. Well, there's no way. Uh, I mean, you think he got – I mean, I would assume there would be more in terms of, like, royalties, like little Jeopardy games that he would probably voice over, things like that. But still, just to get it only from Jeopardy itself, only 10 mil, it's nuts. How come Romo's not in the mix? No, Romo would be awful. Imagine Romo, 25 mil from Jeopardy, 17 mil from football. He's making, like, 40 mil plus. I think he's got too much energy. Yeah. Romo. You know, you need like an even-keeled, smart-type person. That's, yeah, that's why a little slow on the draw. Er, you know? Early in the show, uh, Xavier Pope was talking about Leslie Jones. Like, she's funny, she's great, but she just, she's just all-encompassing. She's be, a force. Yeah, it'd be too zany. Too zany. Yeah, zany's a good word, you know. Like, you need you need the cold wit. Like, when the lady that told him, she's like, yeah, I'm in the nerd core. It's like hip-hop, but like with, you know, about science and stuff. And he's like, nerds, you mean. Stick your hand in there, Dave. So reports out today, nothing's confirmed, but June 5th could be a day where one of the Paul brothers, the other one, Logan, could have an exhibition fight with Floyd Mayweather. Mayweather couldn't weigh more than 160. The six foot two Logan Paul could weigh no more than 190. If it's in Vegas, that's a cool event. Uh, for Vegas and our sports books, am I wrong? Is this a disaster? It's not going to be a bettable event, is it? An exhibition match? I mean, if it's certified, it would be. And you'd have to have a decision, obviously. I know a problem with some of these celebrity matches is that there wasn't an actual decision, but like I, an official that, decision. That's the thing. I feel like an exhibition would prohibit. Like, it might be a one-way knock. Like, I mean, I guess. Are they both going to be told you can't knock the other guy out? Well, wasn't this last one an exhibition, though? Technically? Isn't an exhibition just a one-off? Well, that's a good point. i got to look into that. I thought it was a sanctioned fight. I thought it was a professional fight. I gotta clean something up really quickly. Yes, do it. Do it. Double pass thing. I was wrong. Not trick plays. It's pass thrown forward, batted back to the quarterback, pass thrown again. Okay. That is a loss of down. <laughs> so we tried to go with this whole yeah. double pass or pass behind the line. I was I started talking about the flip pass. So I started talking about trick plays. We'll be better tomorrow. But although that said, I'm mm. I'm back in three hours. So we're gonna do our legal podcast tonight. <laughs> Law and Sporter, watch it at Steve Cofield up on YouTube, at ESPN Las Vegas on Twitter, Justin and uh, and guest and myself.